Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What makes Mike Florio the expert? You're about to find out. This is Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio on NBC Sports Radio. Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. And if you wonder why we're a little loopy and you're listening on radio, you have to, if, you, if you're, look, we want you to listen on radio. We want you to consume on all platforms if you can. But if you ever are listening on radio and you wonder at the top of the hour why we're a little loopy, it may have something to do with what we did on TV, exclusively on TV in the two minutes before the radio clock Matched up with the TV clock. We had a little fun. And and Chris Pratt, I didn't mean any of that. I I I, I will do Oh, look. Oh, yeah, there he is. Die hard kids, wife, everybody. Of the Seattle Seahawks. He's got that 12 jersey with fan on the back. He gets it. He welcomed Greg Olson to Seattle. I said something snarky that Chris Pratt doesn't even know much about the Seahawks depth chart. I'm Man. kidding. He I'm backed kidding. you down. I told him, I told you he was in the Avengers and you got scared and you're backing down and running for your life now. Look at you. Well, wait, he's <laughs> only in the Avengers because it's his character from yes. the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? right? Yes, exactly. I really Look at you. You're a big fan of that. Chris Ratt. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, very ashamed that I that I know that. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, we were just having some fun on the way in. And, and that's what we're here to do, man. We're here to, you know, this isn't serious, right? This is, If you want hard news, there are plenty of channels out there. If you want to be depressed about something, be our guests. We're here to try to make you not depressed unless you're a fan of a really bad football team. And at that point, sorry, you picked the team, not us. Okay, if you're a fan of the New Orleans Saints, Chris Sims, you're very happy today. And look, you're not all that surprised. We're not surprised. We knew that Drew Brees was coming back. He took to Twitter yesterday 
to say indeed. And you know what? I was kind of impressed that Drew Brees was able to keep the cards closed to the vest. Nobody got the five-minute heads up. No. There was no Shefty tweet saying that Drew Brees is coming back, followed five minutes later by Drew Brees announcing he's coming back. Breeze was able to keep it quiet. Breeze was able to control the news and the narrative. And he took to Instagram to say, my feelings about the 2020 season. I look forward to the grind and the journey for the reward at the end will be worth it. Unless it ends the way it did the last three years. Love you, Houdat Nation. Let's make another run at it. That parenthetical where, observation where do you think he is there? Instagram. Where do you think he is? Hawaii. More importantly, where is he? You think that's Hawaii? I think it's, I think it's Hawaii. All right. I'm betting. I'm taking Costa Rica. Okay. I'm going Costa Rica. I'm, I'm, that's going to be my guess. Wherever he is. He's in the sun and he's getting a tan, unlike others who were in the sun for a whole week and didn't get the tan. Now, here's the thing. Look, and we love Drew Brees. We had him on set with us at the Super Bowl. I think he's one of the five greatest quarterbacks of all time. Others on this program may disagree. So I like him more than you, Chris. But <laughs> Thank you. he's 41 now. Father Time is eventually going to whack him over the head with that giant hourglass and or his staff or both. Are they running the risk that it's going to happen during the course of the 2020 season? I I don't think so. I think they have now, listen, the Taysom Hill part of this, I think will play into this a little bit, you know, Drew Brees, you said it. I mean, he's a legend. He's the man. I mean, he really is what he's doing right now at his age is it's amazing. And he's going to have 80,000 yards. Right. No one's had 80,000 yards. It's he's going to have 80,000 yards. It's insane. You know, he's a good athlete still. He can still move around in the pocket, throws the ball on the run, still extremely accurate. There's only one weakness to his game, really, at this point, right? And I think we both know it. And, we, you know, the Saints know it, too. They show it. When they want to throw balls down the field and be aggressive that way, that's where Drew Brees is hurt right now. Or... When you take away the middle of the field, and can he make some of those power throws to the outside, the 15-yard out routes and comebacks, the 20-yard comebacks, all of those, the post route or in-cut we saw against, you know, the Vikings in the playoffs and things like that. We've seen a number of those little inklings to go, that's really the weak point of Drew Brees. And then usually when they want to attack down the field, what do they do? They bring Taysom Hill in, and he takes an aggressive shot down the field to kind of back people off that way. So that's the only negative. You know, that's the only thing I look at. I guess if there was one other negative, because, hey, this team's in the Super Bowl window. They're really good. Brees is still efficient. I guess the other negative would be, what is the contract number? And really, more, this is more post-Drew Brees. What is that number going to do to the team if Drew Brees decides to retire after 2020? You know, that's the one thing that I think them and the Pats have to balance here is, yeah, we want our legendary quarterbacks back, but is it going to put a $40 million dead money cap charge on our salary cap the year after they retire, and then we're not going to be able to compete because we're missing a quarter of our salary cap? That's, to me, the, the only negatives I could really come up with with Brees at this point. And, Chris, that's an excellent point. Let me tell you, there's already $21.3 million that was due to hit the cap this year if Brees didn't sign a contract to stay with the team. So they're going to have to deal with that $21.3 million in dead money arising from bonuses they paid to him in the past right. when they kicked the can to keep the cap number manageable, push money into future years, and now they have to deal with it this year. And one thing, and I'm going to be candid here, I'm always going to be transparent with the audience, I have assumed that the NFL and the NFL Players Association will get a new CBA in place before the start of the new league year. So I have not spent a lot of time trying to figure out how the absence of a CBA beyond 2021 
with or with 2020 being the last league year, the CBA expires a year from now, how that ties the hands of the Patriots who are dealing with this issue with Tom Brady. He's got $13 million in dead money due to hit the books this year. Breeze with $21 million plus. I don't know what they can and can't do when it comes to fashioning contracts that would cover multiple years, right. that would push that money out, that would have voidable years on the back end, uh, because it could be a challenge. It could be a problem. Now, the Saints know. They understand. They're aware of what they're dealing with here. But you've got the $21.3 million in dead money for Breeze. You've got whatever you're going to pay Breeze. You've got whatever you're going to pay Taysom Hill, who I think they really want to keep, and I think they're committed to matching any and all offers that he gets from another team. And technically, it's just one offer sheet. It's signed. They match it. They inherit that offer sheet. I think they're going to keep him. The real question is how much money they're going to have left over for another quarterback because it can't just be Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. They need somebody who knows the base offense who can play if Drew Brees gets injured, especially, Chris, as you said last hour, if they're going to be putting Taysom Hill at risk at all these other things, you can't have only two quarterbacks on the roster. No. You need somebody who is there and who is dressed on game day and who is ready to go. Yes, and, and you know there should be plenty of those guys on the market, as you've mentioned a lot over the last two and three weeks, that we're going to have a lot of veteran, experienced quarterbacks who are out there looking for a spot, and I think there's going to be some you know, left without a chair when, when the music stops. You know, I think it'd be perfect. Yeah, who? Although... It's perfect because may not be perfect this year, but I think he's the right guy to back up Taysom Hill, right. Marcus Mariota. Well, I, I I hear you. There's going to be I think a lot of that type of guys. You know, this is the place where the backups and you said it the first hour, and I think you're you're spot on. This is going to be a backup quarterback position in demand. Uh, it really is. Everything there points to hey, if I have to play as the backup quarterback for this team, I'm going to be successful. Things we have a chance to win. I have a chance to put up stats, prolong my career, improve my price tag on the market. Mariota would be a guy I would certainly look at that. You know, Andy Dalton's another guy. If nobody, you know, gives him a chance to start, that would be a place I would look to go. I would. That's going to be, you know, a really sought after position because Drew Brees is old. So there's not only the point where he might get retired, I mean, might get hurt and you get in there, but also, like you said earlier in the first hour too, it could be just the last year and he retires and then you position yourself to be maybe the next guy depending on what happens with Taysom Hill and all that. So uh, it's really going to be interesting how they attack this and the Taysom Hill contract, the backup quarterback situation, how that balances out. Do backup quarterbacks not? Maybe they don't want to sign with the Saints as much as maybe we think because they're worried about the Taysom Hill situation and that he will be the future. I don't know. It's, it's, that's why it's kind of an intriguing situation altogether. There's been kind of a quiet confidence on the part of Sean Payton regarding the future of Taysom Hill. I think they are committed to doing whatever they have to do to keep him. Now, some would say that they're running some sort of a scam on the rest of the league, that they hope that someone will sign him to an offer sheet and they'll gladly take the first round pick. They love this guy. This guy, this guy is the real deal. And it amazes me how people go nuts. It's become this popular narrative like, let's bash Taysom Hill. Have you not watched the guy play? The, The quote from Paul Allen, as Drew Brees was getting ready to take the snap on the play that would result in Brees fumbling the ball when Michael Thomas ran the wrong route and right. Daniel Hunter was in his face. Right. Before the snap, Paul Allen said, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm relieved Drew Brees is back in the game. Yeah. If they had used Taysom Hill just a little bit more, 
The Saints would have won that game. He was the best guy on the field. And I've had people say, oh, tell that to Michael Thomas. Well, you tell it to Michael Thomas based on his, his numbers that day. That day, Taysom Hill was the best player on the field for either team. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's a special talent. He really is. And he's improved his ability to play the quarterback position. And, you know, I, I know I see the, the hate on social media, too, with Taysom Hill sometimes. I don't, I don't understand it. To I me, don't get it. Well, it's more – I think it's, it's people who are in love with Drew Brees and they're just threatened by the presence of him, I think. I think it's more of that and the Saints mafia that way that has this negative con- – like they look at it as a threat but to Brees, should, which well, I don't he's get. He's going to leave at some I point. Know. He's the future. I know. I don't get it either. I don't know. You I, know, I, there was a little bit of that with Jimmy Garoppolo and the Patriots to a degree, too. It's like they loved him, but they hated him. They loved him because they thought he was the future, but they hated him because he was kind of threatening to Brady. And, you know, it's just I think it's more than that. But, you know, I I think it's something like that. But, um, yeah, the Taysom Hill thing, you know, the one thing that just jumped out to me again, you know, he's become more of a quarterback the last two years. Yeah, he's a freak athlete. But this is a guy who this is not just like Tim Tebow. This is a guy who can really throw the ball and throw the ball at an elite level. Now, can he consistently do that 30 and 35 times a game and just be surgical that way? You know, I don't know that yet, quite yet. But I see a lot of signs that point towards I think he can, and I feel pretty good about it. From what I saw in preseason, I know I turned on the preseason film last year when I was being, you know, Ron Jaworski and all that. I just remember the first game I watched, I remember going, man, Taysom Hill looks like a quarterback now. He doesn't look like just some big muscular athlete out there. You know, just the mannerisms, the way he was going through reads, the way he was delivering the football, it had changed. And that's where, yes, he is special. And to me, Mike, here's a question I got for you. Do you think that the Saints talk to Drew Brees? And, you know, we don't know the numbers of the contract yet, but do they have a shake, a wink-wink, like a number that they think they're going to agree on, right? Yes, yes. I think that the way they left it, I think they told him, here's what we're willing to pay you right as you make the decision about what you're going to do yeah. for 2020 yeah here's what we have in the budget because of the money we've spent in the past the cap uh situation we're gonna have to deal with we welcome the reality that teddy bridgewater will not be able to come back we want you here's what we can pay you in light of the team we're trying to put out there and it's up to you whether or not you'll want it so i think they already know you do we you, don't know well, obviously yeah. but i think they know do you think they have Taysom hill into that conversation with breeze yes. to go like hey we also want to allow this type of money for Taysom hill so you think drew knew kind of all this and he's a part of the whole game plan yeah i, I mean i would think you're right too i would think he would know and they've probably expressed and been honest with him there one of the realities here once we know what they're paying breeze and once we know what they're going to have to pay hill that will tell us a a lot about how much both guys are going to be used, yeah. right? Yes. You're not paying Taysom Hill significant money to not use him. And what Drew Brees told us a couple of weeks ago at the Super Bowl, he's fine with Taysom Hill taking 25, 30 snaps per game if that's what it takes for the team to win. I think we will see more. I think, you know, of all the awkward passings of the baton that we've seen over the years, and there's never really been a seamless and smooth one. It's always been, you know, because it's competitive. There's ego involved. Yeah. I think with Breeze and Hill, this may be the first time that it really is a, a teamwork-driven handing yes. of the baton from one generation to the next. Right. Yeah, No. It, it is. It's very rare in the NFL, and it does seem very much like that. It's just really rare that you have a guy this old who's still playing at a high level, uh, but understands that, you know, it is coming to an end and then is able to check his ego at the door and just go, you know what? I know that I'm not capable of doing everything on the field that I might have been able to do five, six, seven years ago. And this guy's special and he brings a dynamic to the offense that's special too and hard to defend. It makes things, you know, hard to prepare. 
takes a few shots off of Drew Brees, also makes you know some receivers more open for him because when when Taysom Hill's on the field and Drew Brees is on the field as well, you know defenses have to call defense worried about the Taysom Hill run game. So then you get easier pass looks at times when Drew Brees lines up at quarterback because they're playing a defense for the oh crap Taysom Hill run play might be coming too. So I think it's great that Drew Brees realizes it and realize he benefits from some of it as well and it puts their team in a chance to be that much better and that much more dangerous. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. This is the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. I'm your host, Mike Florio. This notion of playoff expansion has been lingering for years and it always had to be done as part of a CBA because the players aren't just going to say, oh, great, yeah, fine, more playoff games. Yeah, we want to have a chance to get to the Super Bowl. No, it's more games being played. You've got to give us something to play more games, and that's why it's being tied up in this new CBA, Chris. And I just don't like the idea of making it even easier for the one seed to get to the Super Bowl. Even though I like it when one seed plays one seed and gives us a great Super Bowl, I feel like this makes it easier by forcing the two seed to play an extra game along the way. Even if the two seed wins that game easily, the two seed has to get ready for the game. They have to put players at risk of injury. Players are going to be fatigued. The two seed becomes more likely to lose the next week in the divisional round when they aren't rested playing a team that has won in the wild card round. So I just think it's going to make the one seed more likely to get to the Super Bowl. And after five years of it, people are going to be saying, let's just have 16 teams in the playoffs, not 14. Well, I mean, that you know, there's a lot of things to unpack here. And I'm with you. That's what I'm scared of, too. I'm scared of the number one seeds just continuing to dominate and having a great advantage that way. I also do love that, you know, it's going to make the NFL season that much more important. And I think ultimately that's what the NFL owners and fans all want, right? We want 16 games where teams are fighting to the bitter end. And now you have one extra team to be in the playoffs, which adds 17 games, Yeah, 17 games. Right. And then it adds one extra team to the playoffs, which also adds two or three more teams extra into the conversation of can they make the playoffs at the end of the year to your point, which you said earlier, which makes things more interesting that way too. Okay, and I like that. Now, I, you know me, I'm, I'm traditionalist. I'm conservative when it comes to this. I, I don't want things changed a whole lot. I think the formula we have right now is pretty damn good. I mean, NFL is king, and it's not even close in this country right now. I mean, it blows the other three sports away as far as the major ones, basketball, baseball, and and hockey. I mean, I get that. But, you know, I also, not only with the number one seed thing, worry about them being able to get to the Super Bowl too easy. I also worry about, you know, the quality of some of the playoff teams getting in. Listen, you know, you could go both ways, but I would say more times than not, That team that just missed out on the playoffs, that seven seed or that eight seed who ends up being in the AFC or NFC, they're just not that good always. And I don't know that necessarily know if I want to watch them in the playoffs. Like, I didn't want to watch Duck Hodges and the Steelers in the playoffs this year. You know, this year, they would have gotten in under this new current format. The team that couldn't beat Baltimore in week 17, okay, who didn't play any starters, would then have been in the playoff game the next week? I mean, that to me is not right. Now you go to 2018, all right, just to you know argue my own point, that Pittsburgh team with Antonio Brown and Big Ben and everything like that, I would go, ooh, that was a year with that seven seed. They would have been dangerous and maybe could have made a run. I would have been scared of them. So I guess I worry about I worry about that. That that's what I'm saying. And look, the bottom line is it's more football on TV. And even if people don't want it, they'll take it, right? It's like a 17th regular season game. 
people, when we had our yeah. poll, 50,000, 56,000 responded, and it was the overwhelming majority that don't want it. Well, what are they going to do? Boycott the NFL because they don't want the extra game? No, they're going to take the extra game. And uh, same thing with the playoffs. You have an extra game that they're going to find a way to probably put in Monday night prime time, and the winner of that game will be guaranteed to play the following Sunday. Um, they're going to make more money. They're going to give us more football. And even if it's Steelers at Chiefs or Rams at Packers, which would have been the two extra games this year, you watch it because any given Sunday, baby, you never know what's going to happen. And if it's a blowout, so what? There's already blowouts from time to time in the wild card round between four and five and three and six. So you uh, look, it's it's been moving in this direction for a long time. I've been alive since What if they expand the league? What, and I don't think they, they should, and I don't think they will. But how many teams would have to be in the league for you to be okay with 16 players? Yeah, well, teams? I'm just not comfortable with, I think, I don't think I'm comfortable with half the teams in the league making the playoffs. I, I don't think so I... So 34? Is 34 enough? Yeah, maybe. Okay, yeah, I could deal with that a little bit more. I mean, listen, here, here's my other pet peeve. I just think ultimately, and you've kind of talked about this, I think this is all leading to a master plan by the owners, which is like also bothers me, all right? that I think it is ultimately going to go to eight teams per conference. You're right. So they can do that within the, and have 16 total teams in the playoffs. And then they're also going to make it 18 games at some point in the regular season. You're right. It's going to happen in the next 10 years. Just like we never thought it would go to 17 games, we're already seeing that players and everybody are starting to bend and it's going to 17 games. Ultimately, what's going to happen here? And we've heard these rumors, you and I. I know we both have. The NFL is just setting this up for an extra playoff round, an extra few weeks of the season because they want to play the Super Bowl this past weekend on President's Weekend where they can play on Sunday. Everybody has off on the following Monday, so it can be this great national holiday. We can all get drunk and have fun and watch the Super Bowl and not have to worry about going to work. And I feel like this is really all the master plan to get that to happen. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. You're fun to watch, man. All right, what's going to be better, like signing a new contract or not having to answer questions about getting a new contract? Which will actually be better? That's tough. Uh, <laughs> probably signing a contract. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, let's be honest. How many zeros will I have in my account? That is better than answering the question or not answering the question. That's Dak Prescott with Chris Sims at the Super Bowl and the process of the Cowboys trying to get Dak Prescott signed to a new contract continues. Off-season props time. By the way, Sims, all-time awkward uh, question to lead off that Dak Prescott interview, being like, hey, you're fun to watch. Is it Chris Farley? (laughs) Oh, that was awesome. Uh, (laughs) Let me say this, though. I know the NFL, too, and I think you can cross a bridge that the NFL says, that's it, you're gone, you're not coming back. And I feel like the accumulation of things we've seen, don't shake your head. I can see you shaking your head. The accumulation of things we've seen, I think that the the distractions outweigh the talent. He's really going to have to do some heavy lifting to convince people that he's okay and ready to be part of a team and not be a chronic problem because there's too many other guys out there who can play. All right, the first real prop for this segment. What happens first? Tom Brady signs with a team, any team, or Dak Prescott gets his deal with the Dallas Cowboys? That's got to be Tom Brady's signs with the team, right? I I would imagine Tom Brady's not going to be a free agent for very long. I would say it's probably only going to last a week. And Dak Prescott, he might see this all the way through. He might, you know, this might be a franchise tag situation where Dak Prescott goes to camp or, or doesn't go to camp, doesn't go to OTAs, and, and this bleeds all the way into, uh, I don't know, June, July. I think that could absolutely happen, whereas Tom Brady will not, you, we won't be sitting here in the middle of April being like, where's Tom Brady going to go? 
He's going to sign with a team within the first week. I agree with you. And with Dak Prescott, one thing we have to discern is what is the real deadline? Is it the deadline for the application of the franchise tag? And look, if a new CBA gets done, the Cowboys don't have a a franchise tag and a transition tag to play with. They have one or the other. And they'd surely like to sign Amari Cooper or Dak Prescott so they can tag the other. Because if they don't, one of those guys will be hitting the open market. And I assume Prescott will get tagged, but they could try to get a deal done with Prescott before that deadline for using the tag. Next deadline is the start of the offseason program. You want him there for Mike McCarthy's first year as the head coach. Next deadline after that would be July 15. That is the deadline for doing a long-term deal with a franchise tag player. I still think that you're right. Brady's going to do a deal with someone, Patriots or someone else, before Dak Prescott signs that contract. And I say that because the guy's been resisting and refusing all efforts by the Cowboys to get him to give in. He's not going to give in now. He's got the leverage now, and I strongly encourage him to use it. All right, more likely to be a starting quarterback next year, Jameis Winston or Phillip Rivers? I mean, this one makes no sense to me. Jameis Winston is a future Hall of Famer. Jameis Winston just got LASIK surgery. Jameis Winston just went 30-30. Jameis Winston had the most yards in the NFL last year. What are we talking about? Jameis Winston. He's going to be a starter. He's going to get a long-term deal. Maybe not with the Bucs. If they're stupid, what do we say? Dysfunctional franchises do dysfunctional things. They should sign Jameis Winston yesterday now that he has LASIK, can see, and is a future Hall of Famer. See, I really can't tell whether or not you believe that or whether this is just part of your shtick with Jameis Winston. It's not Winston. a shtick. And it's not a shtick. You, I got – I want Listen, to- Mike, Mike. You have Jameis Winston derangement syndrome. You would know what that is if you read a book (laughs) by Jameis one of one about the media's bias against a future Hall of Fame quarterback. So, yeah, I've come around on Jameis. I used to laugh. I used to make those jokes. I used to have derangement syndrome. The guy can ball. He's got LASIK. He's going to be fine. Here's the thing, though. In some degree of seriousness, 5,109 yards is eighth all time for any NFL single season. There are only four human beings who have ever thrown for more yards in a season than Jameis Winston did last year. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger. So he's in pretty good company there. The 30 interceptions, well, not exactly ideal. But Mike. But I, when, I think, I think I'm saying, no, no, I'm saying okay. there's something to work with. All right, I think yes. the Bucs should keep him. I think he's they 20, should keep him. He's 26 years old, okay? Yes, the interceptions are a problem. I mean, but look at Brett Favre. Brett Favre's a gunslinger when he does it. Jameis Winston, you know, everyone tries to make the, the – whenever someone throws a lot of interceptions, they make the Brett Favre, you know, uh, argument, hey, Brett Favre was a gunslinger. He took risks. But it actually applies for Jameis because the good is so good. And the upside is clearly there with what you just said, eighth all-time in yards in the NFL history, thir- you know, 30-plus touchdowns last year. So – can you – and let's not also forget that he's playing in Bruce Arians' offense, which the motto is no risk it, no biscuit. So a lot of those, you know, a, a lot of those interceptions, not all of them. He makes mistakes. He's made some comically stupid interceptions. But there also is a room for, like, look at the offense he's in. Bruce Arians wants to throw it downfield. Bruce Arians wants to take risks. So can you limit it a little bit? Can you get it from 30 to 18? Because guess what? That would make a, a significantly better quarterback and a guy that you can actually win and go to the playoffs with. I'm the a believer. Jameis Winston. I, I am too. Look, I am too. And I think that Bruce Arians should welcome the challenge 
to try to iron out the interceptions and embrace the 5109. I just wonder how much Arians knows from spending a year working with Winston that, you know, maybe Winston doesn't embrace the things that they want him to embrace. Is he taking the coaching? Is he doing the things? Is he putting in the work? And the one thing about Winston that always bothered me, and it goes back to that that game against Oregon in the national semifinals where he just has those moments of his body trying to do more or what his brain wanting his body to do more than it can, you know, and, and those pop up from time to time. And I, I, I don't know that you can ever fully harness that. That's the one thing that I don't like. You don't see a lot of other quarterbacks with those just goofy cartoonish mistakes where they're just trying to make something happen. Hey, I'm just trying to make something happen. Well, you're not good enough to make the thing happen that you're trying to make happen. But still, 5-1-0-9. I'm with you. Winston's more likely to be a starter this year than Phillip Rivers. I mean, Phillip Rivers, uh, he had seven interceptions in a pair of back-to-back primetime games. You think people are going to forget about that? You know, it's funny. Phillip Rivers has a funky, ugly throwing motion. You don't notice it until he puts up 20 interceptions against 23 touchdowns and seven in a pair of primetime games. And and I just feel like between the two guys, Winston's a better option. All due respect to Phillip Rivers. I love Phillip Rivers. I love what he's done. But right now, I think Winston gives you a better chance to win than Rivers. Yeah, agreed. It's a, it's a no-brainer to me, especially considering age as well. All right, more likely to win another MVP award, Cam Newton, currently of the Panthers, or Matt Ryan, who is under contract for the next several years with the Falcons? This is a tough one, although I'm worried about how both these guys are going to age because Matt Ryan, we know, is not the most mobile. Matt Ryan's kind of, in a weird way, a quarterback of a bygone era where he doesn't have even, you know, like there's a difference between a mobile quarterback and a quarterback that can move well in the pocket and kind of escape like an Aaron Rodgers versus Cam Newton, where you could actually say both are kind of mobile quarterbacks. Matt Ryan is neither. So I'm going to stay Matt Ryan just because we know what, you know, what his next few years look like. He's going to be on the Falcons. You know, Dan Quinn, got, they saved Dan Quinn's job. He still has Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. We don't know where Cam Newton's going to play next year. We don't know the weapons around him. We don't know his health going forward. But I, I would definitely, for the option here was neither, and neither will even finish top three overall in MVP voting. That's what I would pick. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is this. The world has changed dramatically since both Cam Newton and Matt Ryan won their MVP awards. We now have Patrick Mahomes, who is going to be a shortlist contender every year. Lamar Jackson, shortlist contender every year. And I think between the two, Cam Newton's got the better shot. Because I think he's getting traded. I don't know it. Haven't heard it. I'm just reading the tea leaves. I think he's getting traded. And I think healthy Cam Newton, new environment. I think the Chargers should be at the front of the line trying to work out a deal because they need excitement in that new stadium in L.A. so they can at least get, you know, 30% of the place with Chargers fans and not fans of the other team. But I think you get him in the right situation and you get him used the right way. He's still capable of doing very special things. And I think you're right. Matt Ryan's skill set isn't conducive to standing out in today's game. Newton's is if you can get him in a spot where he's healthy and they get the most out of it. I think the health part is is what scares me there. And and, and like I said, I, I wouldn't expect either to, but uh, Matt Ryan last year, he still had 4,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. I mean, those aren't obviously MVP numbers, but he was playing last year. He was healthy for the majority of the year. I think he missed one game. And so the, the health thing is the only bet I'm making here, but I would, I would bet neither guy is going to be an MVP again if I had that option. More touchdown catches in 2020 
Jason Witten, who would like to return to the Cowboys, but that hasn't been finalized yet, or Greg Olson, who signed this week with the Seahawks? Hmm. Oh, that's a tough one. I'll go with Greg Olson just because he's my guy. I'll go with Greg Olson. Uh, you know, he'll work well with Russell Wilson, and he's got definitely more in the tank than Jason Witten. Obviously, both both players on the back nine the last couple, you know, 17th, 18th hole of their career. But Greg Olson definitely has more left in the tank than Jason Witten at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. And look, I don't know that the new Cowboys regime even wants him. He's a Jason Garrett guy. There's a chance he's going to end up with the Giants, which would be awesome if he's playing for the Giants. Not that he'd be the number one option there at tight end. He's not going to be the number one option anywhere. Just the question is, does he want to keep it going as a player? I think his longer-term goal isn't to go back to broadcasting. It's to get into coaching. So I think that's part of the the analysis for him as well. I'll go with Olsen because he's under contract with a team. We know he's going to play for now. We don't know what Witten's going to do. All right. Uh, last one, very important as we head into combine week, which quarterback will the dreaded anonymous scout rip first, Joe Burrow or Tua tonga Uh, Ooh, I think Tua, I think Tua, I think you'll hear the, um, something about his family, you know, moving with him to Alabama, maybe their helicopter parents. That seems like something that, that, uh, Anonymous scouts would like to throw out there to try to, you know, diminish his skill set, even though the two are not related whatsoever. I think Tua will get the first anonymous scout. Yeah, I think so, too. Also, because it's kind of locked in that Joe Burrow is going to be the number one overall pick. I mean, the reason the anonymous scout rips a player, and this is the rule of thumb that we need to keep in mind every year at this time. If a team really likes a guy, the team will use the anonymous scout privilege to rip the guy in this bizarre football Machiavellian effort to make sure the guy slides down the board so they can draft him. So if you love a guy, you talk crap about him. If you hate a guy, you praise him because you want some idiot ahead of you to take him pushing down the board, the guy you actually want. That is the most accurate rule of thumb as it relates to pre-draft chatter. And I think with Tua, there's, there's more of an opportunity to engineer a slide. So there's going to be a greater temptation for a team that's maybe in the teens that would like to get Tua to start saying all sorts of bad things about him. So maybe he does like an Aaron Rodgers type of a free fall all the way into the 20s, Big Cat. Oh, well, the Bears should get back up there and try to try to snag him. Isn't this draft stuff so much fun? How, how we're talking about like, you know, adults ripping 20, 20 year olds just just so they can get maximum value out of their contract. It's great. It's a great time. Well, and. And, and that's, I, you know what, several years ago, I, I quit trafficking in that. I won't write about it. Well, we'll only write about it when we're making fun of someone who has eaten the garbage again and publishing the, the exploits of the anonymous scout without acknowledging that there is a very real motivation for teams out there to put bad things into the media in the hopes that they can ultimately draft the guy when it's time to put names on cards. We're going to take a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. I'm going to watch at some point because I want to see, you know, the three-point play, the kickoff that you just mentioned. I, I understand there's some cool wrinkles out there. I've had some friends tell me that. But I haven't watched a second. And I'm really not going to watch much for the reason you're talking about. You know, screw the quarterback conversation. Obviously, that's not good enough. The whole league lacks star power. You know, that's why we tune into NFL football, because we want to see special, and they're special on every NFL roster. Same thing for college football. That's Chris Sims yesterday making his thoughts known about the XFL. 
You hate the XFL. Why do you want to see the XFL? You want to see it fail. How dare you say anything bad about the XFL? You want to see it fail. That Look, you can't say... They, they have a little cult going out there on social media. I'm sure. Where if you say... If you just point out the fact that the ratings dropped from one week to the next or that fewer people showed up for the D.C. home game on week two versus week one, oh, you want to see it fail. Oh, I guess that's my grievance. All these folks who are so crazy over the top supporting the XFL who don't like it when anybody points out a fact that cuts against the idea that the XFL is going to be, as you would say, Chris, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yes. Well, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't, I understand that. What, what is that little mafia on Twitter and social media? Is it like the WWE fans who have crossed over to the XFL, you know, and they're trying to support it there too? Let me just tell you, not watching the XFL. Okay. Sorry. Not doing it. Eat it, fans. Not watching WWE (laughs) either. Not watching that either. So, sorry, sluggers. Yeah, I just, I'm not, there's nothing to buy into yet. I do want to check it out for the rules, like I said, but that's about it. The WWE World Headquarters, about a half mile from where you're sitting. Very close. I don't remember the names of any of the wrestlers who may be in the building who can come down the street and throw you into a wall, but I, <laughs> I encourage them to do it. Uh, here, here's my real grievance. Okay. And this, this dovetails for something we started to talk about in the last segment about the franchise tag. We yeah. don't like the franchise tag. I accept the franchise tag is going to continue to be a key part of the collective bargaining agreement because the owners don't want to give it up and the players don't want to give up the kind of concession they'd have to give up to get rid of it. However, here's what I'll say. If the Cowboys franchise tag Dak Prescott and he chooses not to show up for the off-season program, not to show up for training camp, not to show up for the preseason. And if he chooses to show up a week before the start of the regular season and signs that franchise tender and makes the full 27 or $33 million, depending upon which tag they use, I don't want to hear anybody complain because the Cowboys are the ones who pulled the pin on the grenade. If you don't want everything that goes along with a franchise-tagged player then don't franchise tag him. Let him hit the market and compete with everyone else and sign him to a contract that is influenced by what everyone else would pay him. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a novel concept? You want to keep the guy? Let him go to the market and see what else is out there like the Patriots are doing. Yeah. Have the confidence that you can make a pitch to keep him. And if you tag him, just, and you know, the Steelers, and it really pissed me off a couple of years ago when the Steelers were mad at Le'Veon Bell for not showing up for things and staying away. And look, You use the franchise tag. Right. You have a right under the CBA, and if you exercise that right, the player has rights that he can exercise. That's all it is. So don't get mad at the player who chooses to exercise his rights in response to being placed in check by the team when they use the franchise tag. If the team doesn't want it, don't use the franchise tag. Sign into a contract in competition with everyone else and move forward. Well said. You know, yeah, you're, what you're saying is don't hate the player, hate the game, okay? And this is the game that the owners set up, and now the players are starting to play that game. And, yes, for whatever reason, you know, we talk about this every offseason, people seem to side with the rich white owner. I don't understand it. The, the billionaire. Bravo. You Bravo, know? billionaire. Yeah. Bravo for making that, that move where you have another $100 million on top of the money you're never going to be able to spend in 50 lifetimes. Meanwhile, the guys who are going out there putting their bodies at risk, their brains at risk, with no equity, a short-term career, they're the, I almost said something other than buttholes, when the time comes to, you know, you can say, but yeah. we've done this before, you can say 
the first half, right. and you can say the second half, you just can't put it together. Yes. Anyway, they're the buttholes when they try to maximize their earnings. It drives me crazy. Yeah, it does drive me crazy, and that's why, you know, Le'Veon Bell, to me, was it will be, you know, go down as in legendary status for what he did. You know, that was a boss move. You know, Von Miller kind of started it with his threat. And then, you know, last year we see Demarcus Lawrence. I'm not getting surgery. And so players are becoming more and more aware. And I do think the franchise tag is going to become more and more dicey for these teams to deal with because I think the players are at the point where they're willing to play hardball over this kind of stuff now. Simple point, Chris. Yeah. If the Cowboys don't want to pay Dak Prescott $35 million a year, you know what he does? He says, fine, tag me. And if they use the exclusive tag that keeps him from entertaining offers from any other team, he's getting $33.4 million this year. Next year under the tag, he gets $40 million by rule. He gets a 20% raise. That's $73.4 million over two years. That's $36 million plus per year for two years. And then in year three, he gets a 44% raise if they tag him again. They won't tag him a third time. He becomes a free agent. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 